It is Wednesday. It's hump day. I'm Drew Berkowitz. This is my show. Damn glad to be with you on this fine day. Hopefully you've had a wonderful day wherever you are, wherever you're listening or watching. Please hit that like button on the way in if you have not already. I know some of you have. One more time. One more time <laughs> from the top. Man, we got tons to get to today. We got Disco in the house. We got Tom in the house. Everyone's here, the whole gang. Tom is 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 remote again today, but we've got the crew, and we're excited <laughs> to spend some time with you here. The, the reason why I'm remote, it was to make room for illegal aliens in the studio. Yes. <laughs> We, we hadn't referenced that, but, but all of Studio B is just riddled with tents and garbage, and there's clothes sprung out. Our hands are tied in this situation. Yes, it's. I mean, who's going to turn down government funding, right? I mean, we we would, we we probably would. But here we are. We're having some good time. We got a lot to get to today. Tons of stuff overseas that we're going to touch on, uh, but plenty here at home as well. Reminder, though, please come join us. I know I tell you each day, but come join us over at Coin Club. Become a member there. It's kind of like Drew Crew Plus. You get a challenge coin. You get to hang out with us for an hour at the bar before the show at the pre, uh, pre-show tailgate there that we call Booze and Banter. Uh, you can call it whatever you want, just the tailgate. But come do it. You go to drewberkwist.locals.com. You can also click the red button right below your player on Rumble here, or you can go to drewberkwist.com and click Coin Club, however the hell you get there. Uh, we just would love for you to do it. If you use promo code Drew30, mash together, I'll put it in the chat. That will get you a free month uh, once you get over there. So come hang out with us. We'll get uh, a, a challenge coin sent over to you and all of that good stuff. Tons of contest stuff and other things we're going to do there as well. But for now, let's get into the show. Let's get into the news cruise. some fun because we're going to talk as usual about some serious stuff some stuff that's going to make you wonder what's happening to our country and for good reason but i want to start off with some fun just because we can and 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 because we're going to someone i don't know i don't remember i'd give credit i just don't honestly remember made a great faux ad for a nursing home with joe biden (laughs) and and here it is White House Senior Living, our residents feel right at home. Our vibrant facility offers delightful activities and outings, round-the-clock professional care, and exquisite house-made meals. Well, I've been eating everything that's put in front of me. I've been eating all, all Italian food, basically. And ice cream. And ice cream, chocolate chip ice cream. White House Senior Living, where residents feel like presidents. interview where they make it seem like a a a client interview a confessional yeah is the best (laughs) i mean that i saw it this morning i'm i'm half awake you know sitting on the couch at my house pulling together some initial ideas for tonight and i'm just laughing my butt off my wife's like what is going on it looked like a real it was great where every genius where every resident feels presidential well and how (laughs) i mean obviously this is the point of it but how amazing and, and I say amazing, how awful and humiliating, embarrassing for our country that we have someone sitting in the White House playing president that that gives you all of these sound bites and, and B-roll and clips that you need to essentially create. You could create 
your own SNL style show just with Joe Biden clips. That's man. Yeah, you know what? To me, that goes back to the what the American spirit is all about. It's the fact that things are going so sideways in our country, but Americans never ever lose their sense of humor. And to put something together like that, I just think it says a lot about the American spirit. Yeah, it, I, I agree. I agree. Gives us a lot of stuff there. Andy Drew said 365 didn't work yet. It's just Drew 30. Just Drew 30. Um, uh, anyways, with, yeah, and, and Chaos is right with Drew saying alcohol, doing a little thing right now where I'm not doing it. Um, but they won't, it won't last forever. It won't last long. But that was great. And I wanted to start our night off with a little fun. That was a good clip. And now we're going to get into it. But this is... In in some regards, humorous, too, because you had Peter Ducey who got under the skin of yet another mouthpiece for the administration. This time over this whole Lloyd Austin saga that we've talked about a little bit, the victim this time was John Kirby. Here it is. Okay, thank you for all the detail on that. But more broadly, why should we believe anything that this administration tells us about anything ever again? I think we all recognize, and I think the Pentagon has been very, very honest with themselves about... Uh, the um, the challenge to, to, to credibility by what by what has transpired here and by what and by uh, uh, how 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 hard it was for them to be fully transparent with the American people. I think we all recognize that. And and wait, wait, wait now, just give me a second now. I, I know you got another one coming here, but but we all recognize that this didn't unfold the way it should have on so many levels, not just the notification process up the chain of command, but the transparency issue. We all recognize that. And, and I think we all want to make sure we learn from that. I, uh, it's up to you and your colleagues and it's up to the American people to determine, you know, how much they're going uh, to ascribe what happened here to our credibility on every single issue. But in, in every way, Secretary Austin has been an exceptional defense secretary, and he still has the full faith and confidence of the commander-in-chief. Uh, he has led uh, the department at an incredibly dangerous time for uh, our national security interests and those of our allies and partners. But, but if the administration is going to go to such great lengths to keep secrets about the defense secretary's health, how can anybody be certain that the administration would not go to the same lengths to keep secret problems with President Biden's health in the future? If if you could logically argue, and you can't, but if you could logically argue that How, the admin, he's wait, 81 wait, years old. Wait a second. Just give me a second what, here, Bub. I'll get there. If, if the administration made some sort of Machiavellian effort uh, across the board to, to to keep this from getting public, then I think your question has merit and, and certainly is a fair one. I don't think it's a fair one because that's not what happened here, Peter. What happened here is the Secretary of Defense, uh, for whatever reason, I can't answer the question why, uh, that information wasn't shared. It wasn't shared widely in the department and it worse? certainly wasn't shared with you the agency. Know. It's, not, it's not good. It's certainly not good, which is why, again, we want to learn from this. We want to we want to make sure that it doesn't happen again. All right. I love early on. For, I, I love he, how he says, I, just give me a second. Bub. We just gave you like 30 to 40 seconds of, uh, um, uh, uh, like, you weren't interrupted during that. We just sat back gleefully and watched you shit your pants a little bit as, as you tried to figure your way out of this. But they, I mean, Peter asked the question about how can we be certain the administration's being truthful about Biden's health? You, of course, he knows the answer. I know he's just asking the question but 
Of course you can't be certain. None of us actually think we're being told the truth and that there's any form of transparency. When you hear the docs every once in a while come out and be like, we think that he's in great health. Look at the final clip in that damn montage that we showed earlier where he looks like he's going to die and, and move into hospice anytime now talking about ice cream. And I'm not trying to be mean-spirited. I'm just being honest because he's the president, so we get to pick on him, and, and he looks awful. And we all know we've seen from 2020 and before it ramp up and get worse and worse. And if you know someone, I know, you know Tom's dealt with this, and, and a lot of you have dealt with it, sadly, and I hate that you have. But if you know someone who's, who's dealt with dementia, or Alzheimer's, or, or any of those or those things, or a combination there in both, you can see what's playing out right in front of you. And that's not to say that that's exactly what he has, but he's he's not exactly healthy either. And I, I just love that he made that reference there and then tried to defend that. But <clears throat> it's, it's ridiculous how they handled the Pentagon deal with Lloyd Austin. And we're going to try and get credibility back. Bro, what does he call him? Bub? Bub? You're not getting credibility back on on the Pentagon or the FBI or the White House. I mean, you're just not getting it back. It's it's not coming back. If you if you could step back and see what we all see and experience as everyday Americans, you would realize how far you have jacked this thing up. And you'd realize why no one trust a damn word you say not just you but your token press secretary and everyone else in your administration it's just the most laughable thing ever but i i do get a kick out of trying to see them justify their actions defend their actions and and belittle people like Ducey all along the way if your question had merit if it was valid who the hell are you Kirby is in anal abscess that it's about to burst. He, <laughs> There's the he is one of the most sort of duplicitous, oily snakes that I've ever seen as a spokesperson before. It, the the way that he is able just to come out and lie it, it, it is astounding. And you know when you're a good liar like Kirby is – because there's there's there is a little part of Kirby where he is there's a little bit of honesty in him and that's why he stammers and hems and haws at the beginning of whatever bullshit he's about to launch into that he knows that he's a snake oil salesman and he's going to say whatever he has to say to make sure that the lives of the regime don't fall apart what i found very humorous when he talks about Lloyd Austin's leadership <laughs> this is a guy who, you know, mandated vac uh, an experimental vaccine on everybody in the military, kicked people out who wouldn't take it. This is a guy who oversaw the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan that armed up the Taliban with billions and billions of dollars. This is the same guy who has depleted all of our backup ammo and weapons and has sent that to Ukraine, hasn't raised his hand and said, hey, look, boss, I don't think we should do this. We're going to end up hurting ourselves. This is the same guy who champions having drag shows on military bases. This is the same guy who champions having abortions at military bases. This guy, if you want somebody to be worse than Lloyd Austin is in this position, then you may as well just, you know, take a dump and put it behind his desk because that would be 
the only thing that would be worse than Lloyd Austin. And, you know, for them, for him to go in, and we talked about this yesterday, the fact that Lloyd Austin goes in for surgery, that's one thing. You know, if you have like a routine surgery, you know, you're getting, you know, your wisdom teeth taken out or something, that's one thing. But if you're going in for prostate surgery, and a lot of times they can be routine, you know, so I, I don't, I, sometimes it's an outpatient um, procedure. It just depends on, you know, the, the amount of cancer that's there and what they find once they go in. Yeah. But once it gets to a point where it's like, oh my gosh, you know, he needs to stay longer. And then, oh my gosh, we need to throw him into the ICU. So you would think if you respected your boss, you would tell him that your, you know, secretary of defense is having issues. It is incapacitated right now. And his deputy chief is on vacation in Puerto Rico. Right. That would be a problem. But yeah. This is what happens when you just don't care about what you do. When when there when there's some there's a bigger there's a bigger plan in place right now where nobody cares. This chick who's down in Puerto Rico on vacation, she couldn't give a shit. She probably didn't even know that he was going in in for surgery. And when she found out, she's like, "All right, well, you know what? I'll be on a plane in a couple of days. You know, if he takes a turn for the worse, let me know. I'll head back. Yeah, don't worry about, you know, don't tell the president. He doesn't need to know that. Yeah. Be because ultimately, we're the ones in charge. Right. <clears throat> no, it is. I mean, the whole thing is th there's no way you can walk yourself out of it. You just can't. And, and, and did you get white rage, by the way, in your list? <laughs> because that, that, I mean, I, that was kind of milly, but it was all. I mean, he's he's above him, so. Right. Yeah. No, it's. But but it goes back to. They don't care, as you're saying, but also a lot of these positions are, you know, figurehead type positions. Certainly, we talk about the presidency now just being this figurehead position, particularly when Democrats are in charge. But a lot of these other ones, and it, it, uh, I'm befuddled. I got nothing on it. If it was a few days, it still would be wrong if it was a few days. But when, when did he go in again? It was it was weeks ago. December 22nd. Yes, 22nd. And, and he had, th this is, reminds me of the whole Jamie Foxx thing when he, you know, had his stroke and his heart stopped and we didn't get any information on anything. Yeah. And that's when you had, you know, conspiracies and rumors start about his condition and they're actually, you know, making a lookalike to take his place and what you see is a hologram and all this other kind of, you know, nonsense. This is the same thing with Lloyd Austin. For all we know, the guy's dead because nobody is being honest of what's going on. But all you got to do, Tommy boy, is say we've we've, you know, in this case, they he's saying we made a mistake. We got to we got to fix it. But all you got to do if you're them is just say it's no big deal. Yeah, we, we, we made a mistake and we're going to fix it. I accept full responsibility. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that shit only flies in D.C. If you get caught having an affair with your wife and go, you know what? I accept full responsibility. We're still good, babe. I love you. Yeah. How far is that going to fly? Exactly. Exactly. It doesn't. But <clears throat> it shows the complete and total disregard that they have for the American people. So many things do. So, so does this next one. Speaking of disregard for the American people, let's just move on to this next story, because there's no doubt you've seen this footage by now. But but students at Madison High School in Brooklyn were told that the school was going to be temporary closing. 
and that they would be doing school virtually. Why, you ask? Well, take a look. Here's why. Because you, you have immigrants who are being moved into the school, displacing students who have a rightful place and a need to be in the school. And you can see the footage there. You had yellow school buses, buses pull up, lots of them. And off they come. Illegal immigrants making their way off the bus into the school. The footage continues. You can see them going in. And then eventually there's some footage. We don't have to even play it all. But you eventually see them going into the school. You'll notice because it's in Brooklyn, the school has a metal detector there, which is probably, for being honest, smart, although ridiculous. But as you guessed and saw or seeing on the screen there, they're all legals. And we're forcing kids, our kids, I don't live in Brooklyn or in that community, but we're forcing our kids out of school and using taxpayer-funded property to house illegals. It's, it's ludicrous. These, so, and these folks, and you're, you may be saying, why were they, they moved? Well, they were moved from Floyd Bennett Field to the high school because of weather conditions. You know, they had that huge band of weather that came through the country. A lot of us experienced it. And they moved them to the school because they, they wanted to give them better, better conditions there. So the, the obvious first problem is that we're letting illegals into our country and we're abandoning our country's laws and sovereignty all along the way as we do it. But the second problem is we're providing care. There's obviously more than two, but we're providing care and feeding for all of them at our expense, the American taxpayer expense, $451 billion a year. And then in this particular case, we see exactly who the left is. A storm comes through. What do we do? What do we do about, about the illegals? Should we, well, should we protect the kids, though? Our fellow countrymen? No, 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 no. No, no, no. We're going to kick the kids out of school. We're going to turn a taxpayer-funded school into a shelter for people who shouldn't be here in the first place. Folks, this is everything that this administration has done, this and everything else, has done in America to prove that it is an America last policy. Not just this, but all of their stuff. Period. They don't care about you. It's such a disastrous thing to do in terms of function and practice, but also in terms of optics. I don't know how they could think this. And by the way, moving kids is not as simple or innocent as it may sound to some. Oh, it's fine. They can just do virtual school. It's easy. And then we do this and then we bring them back. Well, there's lots of issues with what I'm sure what's going on in that school is super sanitary and great and super clean and all that right now. And it'll be easy to just turn things back on. But we saw issues with that during COVID, what it presented for these kids. What, what about the parents who have jobs? They can't just stop and monitor their kids in a homeschool situation. You could say, well, it's virtual school. The, the teachers are going to handle it. Okay, someone's still got to be there. Someone's got to be Have Have you seen what happens when you leave a high school kid alone in a house? <laughs> and, and beyond that, kids need interaction with their friends, their classmates, their teachers. There's a huge logistical component to this, for sure, and that's an issue. Beyond the obvious, these are illegal immigrants who shouldn't be here, and we're displacing our kids for it. But there's a massive mental health component to it. I mean, we always, always just are on the losing end of this, and it's so frustrating. But this this really sparked – I know it wasn't just me. I know it is for you, too. It sparked a lot of anger and rage last night. Like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? There's probably – some good people who got off that bus. But you know what? Those good people are still here illegally, and you just chose them over 
Uh, how many times do the, de the Democrats love to talk about community and children? Of course, they don't mean any of it, but they talk about it, and they talk about how there are children, meaning theirs, because they're communists. But then when push comes to shove, they totally dick over our kids. And again, the parents who have to figure out how to navigate all this with their jobs, some of which are single parents, and the people who win are people who are here illegally and aren't even Americans. Yeah, and the Democrats are going to fall back on, well, who are you going to vote for? You're going to vote for us, and we know it, so we can fuck you over whenever we want, and that's what we're doing right now. You know what? Even to throw it more in your face to let you know that we don't care about you and your kids, we're going to use school buses. We're going to use city gas. We're going to use city drivers. We're going to use whoever we need to use from the city to make sure that the school has the lights on so we can provide for these folks that are here. And guess what? We're going to bring in you know, the, 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 the lunch ladies that work in the cafeteria and the janitorial staff, and we're going to pay them just to make sure that the illegal aliens are taken care of while your kids get to languish at home. Oh, I understand that you also have a job and you can't be there with your kids. Well, tough, because you know what? We've already got you in our voting block. We've got new voters, and we have to show them some hospitality because you know what? Vote D. Yeah. And we'll give you whatever you want. Whatever you want. It's all free. Welcome to America, the land of opportunity where we just give you all sorts of shit. It's like Oprah every day. Want a new jacket? Want some food? Want some this? Want, do you want to travel to a city so you can be closer to one of your other illegal friends? We got you. Here's your ticket. Take this, uh, this envelope and manila folder with you. Um, it's, it's absurd. And I really do. I mean... The, beyond the immigration policy, or lack thereof, beyond the kids, the thing that sticks out to me is how, how any parent there in Brooklyn, particularly ones who are, are parents at Madison High School, of students at Madison High School, how they cannot feel like, what in the flying you-know-what are you doing? I've got to go to court tomorrow morning. I've got to, I've got to go and be a doctor tomorrow. I've got to go work on the, the, the metro. I've got to do whatever. It doesn't matter what your job is. What am I supposed to do? I, I hope that they're pissed off. I know that there's a lot of Democrat voters up there, but I hope they see this as just a, a finger in the eye. Sadly, I'm sure the number's lower than it should be. No, I don't think they're going to they're gonna be like, well, you know, it has to be done. So, it, you know, it's for the greater good. So it's just a day. It really doesn't mean, you know what, I'll make a couple of phone calls and see if I can get somebody to babysit. It'll be totally fine. I'll call in sick. You know, they promised me it's just going to be a day. But let's 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 look what happens when the government does something like this. Two weeks to flatten the curve. That's all you have to know because it's never like that. Once you give in, it's over with. Yeah. And what I feel really sorry for, again, are the parents. I feel sorry for the kids and the parents because now when there's a school board meeting and those parents go in there to to voice their concern about what just happened, they're going to be tagged with, with oh, you're, you're, you're a MAGA supporter. Oh, you're you're xenophobic. Oh, why do you why do you hate immigrants so much? You know, this is a country that w was founded with illegal immigrants. Yeah, 
Yeah. It, 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 you just, it gets thrown back in your face when all these parents are doing is going, what in the ever-living hell is going on? Have you people lost your mind? Yes, they have. Yeah, and, and regardless of which way they vote and stuff, there are some parents out there who's it's really hard to like pay for lunch, all that stuff, and they can't even get on the, hey, the school's going to provide lunch for you because they make too much money or whatever it is. Oh, well, here's my tax dollars at work, and you're taking my kids out of school. Like, what the heck? Why can't we get help too? But they're just they're going to get pushed aside. They're going to say, hey, go shut up, Karen, stop talking, and go home. But like, you can't we can't be talking about this right now. Yeah. No, that's yeah, that's a good point. A lot of those kids rely on those families and kids rely on those those school lunches and, and meals. Um, I, it's it's just I, I don't understand how anyone thinks the government's on their side now. I, I, I just don't. And that's so depressing to say and, and think about. But it's also reality. So, you know, catch up. That's 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 where you've got to be. All right. I talk about how polls mean jack shit all the time they do they're stupid they 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 give you a baseline sometimes but they're never that accurate they fail you they fail us all the time they're used as tools and weapons frequently to manipulate people into believing one thing or another and you've got this this new data coming out from 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 Iowa, well, this is MSNBC, but you've got Trump, who's who's dominating the Iowa caucus poll there, particularly with evangelicals, evangelicals, and Mika from Morning Joe wasn't so happy about it. You can see her not believing that he could he could be getting that much traction there. But there's also some good data points that get hit on in this clip. So let's watch it, then we'll discuss. Iowa caucuses. New polling shows former President Trump making larger inroads with two key groups when compared to 2016. Evangelicals and first-time caucus-goers. NBC News national political correspondent Steve Gornacki is with us from the big board. Steve, what are the latest polls showing us about Trump's gain with these two groups? I'm just... I, I'm, I have no words for e- evangelical voters at this point. It, it's a, just in terms of the numbers on this, I'll show you here in a second, it is a dramatic, uh, pick your adjective, dramatic turnaround, I'll, I'll say since 2016, in terms of where Trump stands with the evangelicals. We've seen this nationally, and I think it's the biggest story in Iowa. Just as a refresher, eight years ago, Iowa caucuses, first time in the 2016, uh, first contest of the 2016 uh, process. Remember, Trump lost Iowa. He came in second to Ted Cruz. He barely held off Marco Rubio for third place. Remember, there were a couple days there after Iowa in 2016. People were saying, hey, maybe this Trump thing will all fall apart. He ended up winning New Hampshire, turning it around. But the reason, the overriding reason that Donald Trump lost Iowa in 2016 is right here. This is the exit poll from the caucuses. This is the evangelical vote. About 64% of the Iowa Republican electorate in 2016 was evangelical. And look, Ted Cruz won it. He won it by double digits, 34 to 22 over Donald Trump. So Cruz with a double digit win among evangelicals. There was a lot of resistance, a lot of skepticism. Trump had some support with evangelicals, but Cruz was the candidate of the evangelicals in Iowa in 2016, and he won the state. So that was 2016. Our most recent NBC News Des Moines Register poll out of Iowa. This is about a month old, but this is what we've been seeing all year among evangelicals. Look at the turnaround. Trump, who was losing by 12 to Ted Cruz, now with an outright majority, 51% of the evangelical 
vote basically two to one over his nearest foe, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, barely in double digits, 51 percent. That tracks, by the way, with Trump in that poll, his overall support in Iowa. We also had at 51 percent. Just the history of this. We said Ted Cruz in 2016, he won the evangelical vote in Iowa. He won the caucuses. Rick Santorum, 2012, won the evangelical vote, won the caucuses. Mike Huckabee, 2008, evangelical vote caucuses. That's why Donald Trump, the biggest reason Trump has been winning and winning big in these Iowa polls. But we mentioned that other group. This is always a wild card group in caucuses. First time caucus goers can often be about 40 percent of the uh, caucus electorate. Here is a group that Trump won in 2016, although it was close. He got 30 percent Cruz Rubio both in the 20s. So this was a group that kept Trump in the game in 2016. Wasn't enough to win the state for him. But look at this. When you look now in our poll at first-time caucus goers, Trump mm. with a 51-point advantage over his nearest foe here, Ron DeSantis. So he's had those two groups not just change in, in terms of one going for him that wasn't before. They have both exploded in terms of him now just winning outright majorities, massive landslides with both groups. It's why he's been so consistently ahead in Iowa. And it does set up, obviously. We are six days away from the caucuses themselves. Before that, I will say, we will have one final and. NBC News Des Moines Register poll before the caucuses. It's the one the whole political world is usually waiting on. Ann Selzer, the great pollster, takes it. And we'll see if either of these groups, if there's any sign of late movement in either of those groups, because that's what it would take for any of these candidates to stop Trump or to make this close. Wow. NBC's Steve Kornacki, thank you very much. I think we'll see a lot of you soon. Uh, joining us now, NBC News. All right. So Mika, at the, at the onset there, you could see her. I don't. I don't get it. I don't get you, evangelical voters. No, you don't. You don't. Thinking that you or Joe get a lot of Americans, particularly uh, conservative Christian Americans, is uh, there's just you don't. You, you never have. But but those numbers again, polls deceiving, usually not accurate, not good. But when they're when they're landslide type deals, such as this, there's there's a little bit less room of, uh, or margin for error, if you will, there. I mean, you look at you look at how he kind of struggled with the unveiled, uh, evangelical, excuse me, back in 2016, something that Cruz did well with. And you look at where he is now, fast forward to 2024, less than a week away from, from Iowa happening, and you've got him up 51%. Uh, he, or he's at 51%. The next closest person is DeSantis at 26%. So a huge gap there. And then first-time voters, first-time caucus members, uh, you, you've got 63% for Trump, over 12 being the next closest person with DeSantis. These are huge gaps. I remember seeing polls and commentary weeks and weeks ago where I'm not sure if Trump can win Iowa. I'm not sure. Well, it's, it's kind of looking, folks, like Trump's going to win Iowa. Again, it's a poll. Take it all with a grain of salt. There's other forces and people behind all of this stuff that will try to manipulate stuff. But when it comes to a GOP primary and something like this, I, I, I actually feel decent about those numbers in terms of credibility. Maybe they're skewed a little bit, but it doesn't matter if they're skewed a little bit or, frankly, a lot. Those are big-ass leads for, for Trump. Don't you think, Tom? Yeah, they're, they're big-ass leads, and you could tell by the desperation in Mika's voice when she first started that segment that she just couldn't figure it out, which, I, you know, is not a shocker to me because she's a secular progressive who lives in a bubble and is surrounded by people who share the the, the 
the same thoughts that she does and the same expectations of the world that she wants to live in. So it doesn't shock me that she feels that way because she clearly doesn't interact with anybody else other than who is inside her bubble. Yeah. So that part of it is not shocking to me. It's it's rather gratifying because when you're like the rest of us and you go to the grocery store, you go to the gas station, you interact with people on a daily basis, you can see that there's at a base level in America, people are understanding that Bidenomics isn't working for them. If you have somebody like Mika who has catered food every day or has, you know, just checks off a list of, you know, of what she wants to be brought to her at the office, you're not going anywhere. You're not seeing the, the, the price increase. You're not standing in line to get the food that you want. So for her, none of this matters. She can't figure it out. And when it comes to the evangelical vote, I understand, you know, when, when Trump was first running, there were a lot of questions about him. You know, here comes this highfalutin real estate mogul from New York City. You know, he's been married a couple of times. I could see how that would be off-putting to evangelicals. But after the what we've seen from the sec secular progressive movement, it shouldn't come as a shock to her that evangelicals who are pro-life people are saying, oh, you guys in some states, it's okay to have abortion after birth? Really? You're, you're, you know, you're for infanticide? That's going to be a turnoff to them. And they had four years of Trump, you know, making his position on abortion, you know, uh, front and center of what he believes. Right. And they're not, they're not, when it comes to life, they're not going to waver on that. And then also too, you know, seeing what's going on with, with uh, the, you know, during the COVID shutdown, even after Trump was off out of the office and, you know, and still wanting churches not to open up or force people to wear masks, they're, they're not down with that. Yeah. And I, I think that at some level, I, a lot of us who have a strong spiritual base know that there are dark forces out there right now. And we just can't quite put our fingers on it, but we know that it's there. And we know when it rears its ugly head, when it comes up in, in the form of like a Mika Brzezinski and that sort of, you know, oh, I just can't believe this. It's like, no, we understand the dark aura that's kind of like surrounding you right now. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely, there is. There's absolutely, I mean, that, that's always... I think true, but never more than right now in this country, seeing the, the spiritual forces at work, seeing, you know, just how evil and sick some of the stuff that's out there, that, that, that doesn't just pop up in the minds of some of these people. Yes, yes, it festers and grows because people are, are broken. We all are. We're all broken, black-hearted sinners, yes. But, but where you go with it from there is, is another thing. But it's where it starts and how it festers is, is I think that's clearly – uh, satanic stuff going on there, 100%, no doubt about that. But I, so with, with, with these numbers, it looks good for Trump and Iowa, which means it looks bad for everyone else, obviously. It looks bad for, for Chris Christie, who just dropped out. It looks bad for Haley, who the establishment wants to be the, <clears throat> the person. It looks bad for DeSantis, who we like here, does a hell of a job as a governor, but is not going to win. What that looks like is, is TBD. Does he drop out, not drop out? We'll see you know, probably potentially as soon as next week. But that leads me to my question of the day and then our, our next discussion that's on it. So we'll, we'll do that. And the question is this, the next state up is New Hampshire. So 
who wins the New Hampshire GOP primary? And we talked some about this in, in Coin Club, so it's a, it's a little bit of a rehash for some of you guys uh, that were there. But who wins the GOP primary in New Hampshire? Chris Christie out. You know, so you've got your main, you got your main folks. Obviously, you've got Trump, who's, who's leading the GOP. You've got DeSantis, potentially, maybe dropping out before then. Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, and Asa uh, still... <laughs> let's just not even mention his full name it's ridiculous but who wins it uh tom w w what are your thoughts here uh i i see trump winning out i i don't think i don't think it's going to be competitive uh if it is it'll be a total shock and stunner i think for the media they want to try and make it a competitive race because they they they've got this narrative that it's got to be anyone but trump so whatever they can do to make that happen or project that narrative, they will. Right. But I, I just don't see it at this point, especially, you know, right after we heard um, uh, Christie on the on the hot mic incident, you know, and <laughs> what a lead that Trump had going into New Hampshire. Before that hot mic, I would have said it was going to be competitive and I would give the edge to Haley. But after what Christie said, it, it, it's Trump all the way. Yeah, well, and to be fair, if you haven't sent your answers in yet, I haven't, I haven't been looking down. The, and we're a little 90 seconds, guys, yeah. yeah. We're a little ahead of you. But to be fair, also, at what we talked about in Coin Club with the Coin Club members over there is, is uh, what most of the folks in the masses out there were talking about going into Iowa next week and then eventually New Hampshire is that it, it would appear that or it would have appeared that Haley had uh, Trump had, excuse me, a seven per, seven point lead on Haley. So still pretty good lead. But then then what we were talking about is, OK, well, but Chris Christie's dropping out. Where was he polling there? He had 12 percent of the vote, according to polls in New Hampshire. That 12 percent not going to go from Christie to Trump. It's going to go from Christie to Haley. So, you know, you see that seven point lead. She gets 12 more. If no one else drops out, you could see. Haley winning, which is what Tom was inferring there. Uh, but then we played a hot mic moment, which happened earlier, and, and we, we shared it on Coin Club, where Christy was talking about how she spent $68 million, she's going to get—he didn't say curb stomp, I'm saying curb stomped, and Trump has a 20-point lead there in New Hampshire. And as we talked about, these guys have better data than what's shared on the news and that what we get, internally speaking. So if that's the case, then it leads— Tom, to his answer there. Disco, your answer. I, I think we're probably going to see the margin come up where Haley's going to look like it's in the, in the course, the mainstream media is going to say, look, Nikki Haley has the potential of winning. But I think Trump's going to win, especially with all the stuff that's still going on with his legal allegations. People are starting to see, oh, hey, it's a witch hunt, like we've been saying for so long. And people are starting to side, like, to be like, I like him because yeah. they're going after him. So I feel like he's just, he's going to win it. It's not going to be like one or two percent. We're going to see Haley's percentage start getting closer. The margin is going to come down. But it, Trump, I, I think Trump's still going to win it. Yeah, I think I, I, I kind of agree with, with both of you, but with Tom's Tom's logic on it before, if it was that close, if because I do believe she'll get all of Christie's points, then then maybe maybe the question in Mass Hole is who wins the New Hampshire GOP primary? Then 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 maybe then maybe she could pull that off. And Barb thinks so. Nikki says Nikki Haley, but it's an open primary. So I think it's a shallow win. Uh, Andy says Trump will win. Judy Trump. Masshole, Trump, and then, and then asked, what's the question? Um, 
DeSantis said if he drops out, he will throw his support to Trump. That's what we've been told. And I believe that to be the case, because uh, as we talked about over on, on Coin Club before the show, I think you've kind of got these two camps left, right? There's a little crossover maybe with DeSantis. Maybe some DeSantis voters are a little bit more traditional establishment types that would go in Haley's camp because they're offended by how Trump says or does things. But I think most of them from DeSantis would go to Trump and all of them from Christie, which is not as good of a bin, obviously, to get compared to DeSantis, who's second in most polls, uh, would go to to so, you know Christie to, to, to Haley and, and DeSantis to Trump. So who knows? At the end of the day, it probably doesn't really matter, you know, what New Hampshire says. Sorry if you're, if you're in New Hampshire. I'm not saying that you don't have a beautiful state and, and that you're not necessarily a good person there. But I think I think I think Trump wins, too. And I think particularly on that thread, if if it's going to be close, if DeSantis is still in the race at that point between Trump and Haley, but it's going to not be close if DeSantis drops out. I love what Andy said. Open voting blows goats. (laughs) Well said. Well said. Well said. All right. Well, keep sending your responses in. Hit that like button if you have not. Meanwhile, let's go overseas for a little bit for the last part of the show here. Further proof. That this this story, this is not going to surprise you, but it's going to piss you off. Let me just warn you. But further proof that the global elites want to continue forcing their whole fantasy land on us and all this change is well encapsulated and pictured with this new new bill that's coming out in Scotland. And this new bill will jail and fine people who don't affirm a child's identity or supposed identity, shall we say. So parents, for example, that actively try to prevent their child who they love from mutilating their genitals and subsequently ruining their life can now face up to seven years in prison and a a fine that for the bigger offense has no limit. Here are the rules. Here's a couple things. We'll just put these on the screen. I'll just read them to you. We will. I'm just reading their words. We will make sure that our new law is. Oh, sorry. My bad. We had autoplay on. That's all right. We will make sure that our new law is clear about this. The new laws will cover two situations where someone provides a service that intends to change or suppress another person's sexual orientation or gender identity, where someone keeps pressuring or forcing someone to change or suppress themselves. The behavior will have to be about one specific person. The purpose of the behavior must be must be to change or suppress the other person's gender identity or sexual orientation. And then for less Serious offenses, the penalty would be a maximum of 12 months in prison, so up to a year in prison, and a fine of not more than or up to 10,000 pounds, or both these things. Where the offense is more serious, they say, the penalty, as you can see there on the screen, is up to seven years in prison, a fine that has no limit, or both of these things. We believe it should be a crime to take a person out of Scotland for conversion practices. Can we, can we just come back to, I know this is a, a lofty ask, but can we just come back to living in reality? Mo- most people out there, yes, we pick on people here. I'm glad that it's only, maybe it's not good that it's only for one person because I just kind of lump them all together. Uh, so maybe I would get a lot if I lived in Scotland. But most people aren't really, by normal standards, mean or cruel to people who are confused and struggling with gender dysphoria or anything similar and you shouldn't be to be clear but you also do not have to join in the confusion buy into this massive lie with them 
And this is, this is where we're destroying families. We're destroying communities. We're destroying countries. And this insanity is winning because for now, simply being on the side of truth in Scotland, you can, if this goes through, you can go to prison because you've made someone uncomfortable. Like we all see how insane this is, right? This is ludicrous. Right, and it's part of more of a nefarious agenda because we always hear the globalists talking about how we need to reduce the population of the planet. So what better way to reduce the population of the planet to have abortion on demand up until birth and to mutilate the genitalia of children so they're incapable of reproducing once they become adults? So you factor that in, and then you also factor in with the agenda as well the, of breaking up the family right? and the surrogate family being the government. That's the ultimate goal. The, the ultimate goal is to have total, for the government to have total and complete control over your children. The parents are just meant to breed. And then we can look further on into the future where breeding won't be necessary because all of a sudden, well, not all of a sudden, but the breeding process will take place by people of a certain caste in the system who, you know, the, the government deems that they're worthy of procreating. And for the rest, with, with the surf class, it'll just be, okay, we'll take the sperm from this guy, an egg from this person, put it together, have a kid, and they'll just be part of the government surf class. So there will be no more family moving toward the future. So encouraging. Can you supersize like an order? Uh, it's Yeah, but unfortunately, you know, if you're part of the surf class, you're not going to get the genetic modifications that the the elite class are going to get. Right. And, and a reminder, I know you folks in this audience are smart enough to know that, but if you're here for the first time or you're listening later or you're someone on the left who's trying to write an article about how awful we are, reminder, you, regardless of what, color or, or letter is next to your name on the ballot you are part of the surf class while we always say we're all in this together folks you think we're we're being told to hate each other we're being divided all those things and those those are all true and that's all happening but in the end when this stuff comes to pass which it is slowly but surely faster in some areas than others we're all on the same team you're not on their team anymore you've been a useful tool to them for a while and and thanks for everything, you douchebag, because you're ruining everything and you don't see it. And we keep trying to tell you and then you tell us we're crazy and we're stuck in this perpetual loop. But we're all in that class, regardless of what you make, regardless of your job title, regardless of how you vote. It's it's one big bin of, of people that these folks don't care at all about. They just don't. Right. When you look through, you look at the uh, the the Red Guard in China during the Maoist Revolution. You know, you you had women were the first ones to fire shots in that revolution, and then after the revolution was complete and Mao Zedong was was in charge, guess what he did? He started rounding up everybody from the LGBTQ community. Those were the first ones rounded up. Yeah. And it like to your point. You're, you're not, most all of us who are watching right now are not part of the elite class, the bourgeoisie, if you will, the techno bourgeoisie of the enemy class. You're just not in it. And no matter 
how good of a of a red shirt that you think you are and how good of a party person you think you are and you do everything correct you're not in that club man and you will never be in that club no you're not even you're not even close to sniffing it it's not like oh it's within arm's reach like maybe they'll They'll bring me in and indoctrinate, you know, and uh, not indoctrinate. That's what they're doing now. Maybe they'll bring me in and include me. No, no, they don't. They don't. They don't give two shits about you. They just don't. Sad truth. Not fun. It's not fun to realize here, abroad, anywhere. Uh, but that's that's what's happening. Then this is interesting. I want to just read this. This is from. Um, this is a Newsweek article, which I don't love to do. I think the links in the show description and notes, but um, if it's not, you can you can look it up. But the, the, the headline was this, and you've maybe heard about this, Swedish issues ominous warning to citizens. And it starts, I'll just read part of it. Swedish officials are warning their citizens to be readier than ever in case of war. That's uplifting, encouraging. In May 2022, Sweden and Finland, known for their neutrality, announced that they would join NATO in response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine earlier that year. While Finland officially joined the alliance in April 2023, Sweden's bid to join faced obstacles when Turkish President uh, Erdogan criticized the nation's alleged inaction against Islamophobia, calling it a red line. Hungary also expressed concerns about Swedish membership. And then it speeds along uh, and and basically talks about how you had Stoltenberg, who's in charge of the NATO, you know, Secretary General over at NATO right now, saying that Sweden has, has checked all the boxes, made all the necessary concessions, and predicted that they would be approved as NATO's 32nd member by its next summit, which is set for July uh, of this year in Washington, D.C. But <clears throat> you've, got, you've got all that happening, right? The, the NATO joining of NATO and, and all of that drama going on behind the scenes. But then you've got them making this announcement. And for a nation whom peace has been a pleasant companion for almost 210 years, the idea that it is an immovable constant is conveniently close at hand. Uh, but uh, and it goes on and on. Anyways, long story short, the, the bottom line here is you've got senior Swedish officials saying, hey, don't get too comfortable. You should be you should be ready for war at any point. And then you you mash that along with what's happened with Ukraine and Russia, something we shouldn't be involved with. Yet we spend more money on that than we, we, we do Americans here. Notice that trend. They love, they love war. They love supporting other corrupt countries like Ukraine, which is pretty damn unrivaled in terms of corruption. And they love illegal immigrants. Don't love you. Don't love you. But you've got all that, and you've got people just it, it seemingly, and I think not seemingly, I think actually, trying to do anything and everything they can to expand this war beyond a Russia-Ukraine conflict, spark a NATO concur, you know, uh, uh, some sort of conflict where Article 5 is invoked and it brings everyone in, and then we've got chaos and all of that. And people are, why would you want war? Why would you want death and destruction? Because of this, because there's money. There's the ability to manipulate, the ability to, the ability to launder money, the ability to pad pockets with the military-industrial complex and, and all of that that goes into it. And if you're on the right team, again, you're not. They are. It's, it's profitable for them. So you see all that and you see these warnings. I mean, that's not an encouraging statement that you want to hear from your country's leadership. <laughs> no, it, it's a total false flag. You could see a false flag from a mile away. There is so much upheaval within Sweden right now. In Stockholm, you've got no-go zones 
where illegal immigrant illegal aliens have taken over the the murder the 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 amount of rape that's going on right now in Sweden remember it was last year Sweden the uh, the government the Swedish government came out and said they told women warn them don't dress too provocatively because you're enticing these illegal aliens to want to rape you so the people of Sweden <laughs> illegals that we've let in with our failed policies yeah <laughs> So, so you, the people of Sweden have had enough, and the government, before the citizens of Sweden turn on the government, they have to figure out some way to, to direct everybody's attention elsewhere. So, of course, it's going to be some sort of incursion with Russia once they get into NATO. That's all this is about. It's about the government and this new world order that's taking shape right. and preparing their citizens for the inevitable, because their country is collapsing because they allowed open borders. And for the government to save face, they need another enemy. The enemy can't be government officials. Yeah. Well, all this over the last several years has definitely kind of uh, rocked my my potential future plans of going back to my 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 family and my ancestors' motherlands in Scandinavia, because now they're embroiled in so much stuff. Their policies domestically are just atrocious. So many things going wrong there. But you've got you've got all this rhetoric. Nikki loves to talk about it. Lady Graham, when you know when he's not on Tinder, loves to talk about it. Uh, Grinder, excuse me, I forget. He probably yeah. has both. He probably has both. I think yeah, he's yeah, probably yeah. bisexual. Yeah. But 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 you, you you they're always talking about how Putin wants to expand beyond there. You just wait and see. He's going for all of Europe. He's going for NATO countries. No, he's not. No, he's not. We've talked about why he's not and how you're stupid for thinking that's what he's thinking. So stop it there. But you do know that it, it, something is going to happen, as Barb brings up, and we've brought up before on the show, that NATO was never supposed to be expanding and growing and infringing on, on Russia's borders the way that we have forever and in a, in a minute, right? Ever since World War II, we've been expanding the NATO border. So, and people, oh, you're a Putin sympathist. No, I'm not. I'm just a pragmatist who's saying you weren't supposed to doing it and to, to do this, and you're doing it, and you have been doing it for ever <laughs> i mean we're talking 70 years right i mean we've just been poking the bear legitimately like actually in this case being russia we're just poking it poking it poking it what are you gonna do bitch and and what do you expect what would you do if you were in that situation he's an awful person he's a dictator if you're not on his side in the country i'd watch out things are gonna you're never mind you're already dead but like what, what would you do if that was you? And, and I, I just, it just shows they want war so bad. They're always propping it up where, okay, we could turn this switch if we want. We could turn that. We, we could turn them all. We could hit all the switches at once and just have global mayhem, which sounds so ridiculous. No, it's a cigar, F News. <laughs> uh, um, but, but it's, I mean, that, that's, that's who these people are. That's who these people are. And as Sweden's warning its officials, or excuse me, its officials are warning its people to be readier than ever for war. Actual, actual statement from them. And you've got Ukraine and Russia going on. Obviously, all of that happening in Europe and in the vicinity over there. And you've got Israel and Hamas. And you've got everything going on. We still have Iranian-backed Houthis in Yemen causing mayhem there and in the region. U.S. had to shoot down 24 more missiles this week. 
and drones launched from Yemen over the Red Sea. We've got war everywhere. We've got a clip. We won't play the clip here because we don't have the rest of, of, of the amount of time that I want to, to, to get into it. But it talks about what a lot of people are talking about. Will China act in the next two weeks? And I don't know that they will. I'm not suggesting they will. Before I say to get worried or anything, let me, let me just say that we've long said here that if something happens, it likely will happen before the election, which I still think is a reasonable thing. I'm not going to block it down into this, this two-week period. Yep, it's going to happen in the next two weeks or it's never going to happen. But I, 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 I do think that it is going to happen. It's just a matter of when, not if, and and. The timeline's going to change. And you had, you had as, that's, as, as this discussion is going on, a lot of people are reporting that's going to happen in the next two weeks. Again, I would, it could, but I would, I would slow your roll a little bit on that. You've got China who launched a satellite over Taiwan this week. Country, Taiwan, sent out a, a phone alert. We, we were getting uh, phone alerts for tornadoes yesterday. People in Taiwan were getting it about a possible um, you know, missile attack, which was not the case. One of them was translated inaccurately uh, into English. It was, it was, it was a national. Well, I'll just read this. This is this is from Insider Paper. This is in the notes. Taiwan issued a national emergency alert on Tuesday as China launched a satellite days before the self-ruled island holds a crucial presidential election that has heightened security worries. The alert came hours after the election frontrunner Lei Ching-te, Taiwan's current vice president, accused Beijing of using all means to influence this weekend's poll which will set the course of cross-strait ties for the next four years. Phones across Thailand, excuse me, Taiwan blared with a presidential alert at about 3.15 p.m. around the time Beijing announced the successful launch of its Einstein, Einstein uh, probe satellite, which it says will gather astronomical data. China launched satellite, the, set, the satellite, which uh, flew over the southern airspace, said Taiwan's alert in Chinese, urging the public to stay safe. The English part of the message, this is what caused some panic, the English part of the message described it as an air raid alert, warning of a missile flyover in Taiwan airspace, but officials said that was a mistranslation. Point being with all of this, I think you know where I'm going with this. You've got war on every, all across the damn planet right now. There's, there's seemingly a war footing. You see what we, we I guess it was Coin Club we talked about, but you probably saw on social media what happened in Ecuador this week. You see, North Korea said this week it has no intention of avoiding war with South, South Korea. You've got Sweden telling their people you should be more ready than ever for war. You've, it's just freaking everywhere, and, and, and none of it has to. None of it has to be there. You're not going to stop Israel and Hamas from killing each other. You're not going to stop Iran from causing mayhem throughout the Middle East. That's not going to happen but there's a lot of these things here that could be handled way differently if you want to. But that's the key thing with so many things. You can fix our economy at home. You can fix our border at home. You can fix all this stuff. We could shut this LGBTQ nonsense down in terms of a national conversation. If that's what you want to do, put it in any hole you find. But in terms of a national conversation, we could shut it all down and get back to brass tacks and what really matters to all Americans really quick if you wanted to. And the, the sad thing is, is, is no one wants to. No one wants to do what's best for their citizens here at home or abroad. They want to do what's best for them. And what comes with that is absolute carnage.
Yes, you need division and strife, and that's what the left is good at, dividing people, whether along gender lines, racial lines, sexual preference lines, whatever it is, the left has always been the best at segregating people and siloing people, and that's what we're seeing now, and it's on steroids at this point. Yeah. But getting back to China, you know, what's Taiwan going to do? Taiwan will put up a fight, undoubtedly, but you know, United States isn't going to help out. Look what happened when, you know, Daryl Morey stood up for Hong Kong. He was almost run out of the NBA. There isn't going to be one person in the United States who's either in the NBA or professional sports or the entertainment industry who's going to speak out against China invading Taiwan. It's just not going to happen because there's too much money at stake. And unfortunately, a lot of Americans have been captured by the chai and there's just way too much money for them to have any sort of um, thought that you know, that Taiwan should be a free country. There, there's no moral compass anymore with these people when money's at stake. No, none. And I think you're right. I think there'll be protests and some people that stand up and say support Taiwan and take care of that across the country and, and the globe. But in terms of decision makers and policymakers here at home, no, that, that's they're, they're not going to go that way, regardless of what Joe Biden says repeatedly. We're going to stand by them. And then he gets his comments walked back by the people who supposedly work for him, but of course don't. They work for President Obama. But, yeah, I mean, I, so all of this is unnerving, right? And it should be. It's unsettling. The question is, is just because uh, none of these are just uh, maybe some of them do. Maybe some kind of slow down. And I, I hope and pray, man, I hope and pray that they do. I want my kids, just like everyone else here wants their kids or yourself and everyone and your communities t to have some normalcy again and some some peace some prosperity, wouldn't those things be nice? <laughs> but one of them is going to, to pop off, if not some of them, if not all of them. So the question just for shits and gigs here. This is the second question of the day. Is, yeah, that was sure. This, if, weigh in, weigh in in the chat. This, the, the question is, oh, we got the bell. <laughs> is which of these pops off first? Does the Ukraine-Russia conflict expand into europe or beyond does, does china invade taiwan does israel hamas become a full-blown mid-east war just something fill in the blank something else happen i mean there's probably plenty of things that aren't on anyone's bingo cards that are still working their way down the pike but i mean which one i mean just for 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 the sake of conversation here for a few minutes before we get out which one pops off first tom what are you going with uh, I'm going with a wild card. I'm going with a terrorist attack with the United States. This is going to be traced back to the Houthis, and we're going to have troops on the ground in Yemen by summertime. Very specific, but 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 very possible too. Which, by the way, would lead to further escalation with the region. And with who in particular? Iran. There we go. Lindsey Graham wants it. He's got such a war boner for going going to fight Iran. I, I don't get it. I don't know how he stands up at hearings. He's just always <laughs> well, he's talking got, about it. Got the booth in front of him. It's yeah. the pleats. The, yeah. it's the, the, the <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking these back to the pants store. Yeah. Okay. Very specific answer. Disco, might you want to weigh in? Who? What do? You, what carnage is coming first, my friend? I think it's. Gosh, I think it's China. 
even though they're like China, like, oh, we're not, we don't want to have any war. We don't want to do this. I think it's, I think it's going to come from them and it's going to expand quickly. Okay. I, I go back and forth. I go back and forth. I'm not on the, I might be totally wrong. It's happened before. I'm not on the, 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 or in the camp, I should say, that this Taiwan-China incursion is going to happen in the next couple of weeks. I don't, I don't think so. Totally could. I, I do think that there's a lot there for... I, and, and, and part of the reason I'm going back and forth before I say my answer is because, it, like things here at home with COVID and then monkeypox and then this and then that and then rebranding climate change and global warming and all that stuff, they're trying. They're trying to see which conflicts you know, get the most traction with people. Oh, they're behind this one? Cool. Let's let's pull a few strings there and get that shit going. It's not going as well as they want. I mean, you don't hear as much about Israel and Hamas anymore. Ukraine and Russia hasn't gone there anymore. China's the new thing. I mean, it's not the new thing. It's been there, but they're pushing that right now. I still think, you know, if, if, if something happens um, with NATO this summer— that that could that could be my answer, but I think it's most ripe in the Middle East. I'm not going to be as specific as Tom, just because <laughs> that's a very specific answer. But but I do think that that will be there. I mean, look, here's the deal. The reality is we're fending off attacks on us, on American troops and personnel in the region, and and partners and allies in the region on a daily basis, damn near over there. And some of that's been true for a while, not just now with with the heightened attention back on the Middle East again. But we're just really good at getting ourselves involved in conflict over there. And it's easy, and you can do it all under the guise, or, and, and, and truthfully, too, the name of terrorism. And then you've got Iran, who is the largest state sponsor of terror, who's never really been held accountable for it. So there's lots of reasons there. I, I would think so, too. I could see either or the other happening first or escalating more first, but I think, I think there's so much nuance to the Middle East, so many groups, so many proxy groups that uh, that it seems like that's got to be where it is. Right. And I go back to what's worked in the past. And what worked in the past was a terror attack on the United States. Yeah. And then the the thing that, that, that really messed up the whole uh, Operation Enduring Freedom was they could not make a direct link between al-Qaeda and Iraq as much as they could. And so that's when you got the weapons of mass destruction and all that other BS. Yeah. But right now, with the Houthis playing the part of the Taliban, you have a direct link between the Houthis and Iran. So you could, you could make that connection very easily to anything that takes place that you can say, oh, the Houthis were behind it inside the United States, even though the Houthis, for the most part, are more of a militia like the Taliban, not like al-Qaeda, who, you know, are just different terror cells, but I think you understand the gist of what I'm going for yeah, as far well, as things that worked in the past. Well, and here's the deal, too. I mean, obviously, a terror attack could. I mean, you look at who's coming across the border every damn day. It could happen here in America, and I hope and pray it doesn't, but it will. It's going to happen again at some point because we have no accountability for all these people that are coming in here. And while not everyone has malicious intent, uh, there's some that do. But it doesn't have to be here either. I mean, it could be a USS Cole type of a deal over there. Like, well, that's it. We're going. Like, now it's time. You know, 18 sailors were killed, and now we're going to come kill all of you. And that part will be fun. And some of my buddies will go have a blast doing it. 
but it doesn't mean we should do it in terms of getting involved in it. Go kill them for sure, but we don't have to get into a full-scale war. Fun times. Fun times. Aren't you guys glad you showed up today for all this good news? <laughs> At the end now, we're just going to read poetry. I've got two here. <laughs> No, I hate poetry. It's not my thing. I was going to say, I don't think I've ever heard you quote poetry. Ever. I respect people who write clever things in words, but I just never have wanted to sit there and like wrap a, you know, an Afghan around my shoulders and and listen to, to people read poetry while I sit. Do we do like a poetry slam episode in the future? No, because if you like poetry, that's great. No, like, no, no, no. Like where you go and you, you oh. do something you've written and you're going to. Really laid on the man. Really just put it out. You know what you should do to ease yourself in the whole poetry thing? A couple of things. Number one, read the collective works of Rudyard, uh, Rudyard Kipling. I think you would like that, especially Gungadin. That's a classic. Okay. And then Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner with Samuel Coleridge. I think you will like that one too. We st every time you talk about stuff like this, uh, I still want to say we got to do like a Tom's Book Corner. Yes. Well, you know what? And I, I, I was about to say something about that, too, because not just that, mostly because Tom's got some really interesting ones with historical context, oh, yeah. and some really good stuff. But also there I, I actually took some time to read over the Christmas break. What? Yes. And it was delightful. And there's a couple that I want. There's one in particular. I'm not going to do it now because we don't have time. But there's one in particular I want to share with you guys that's. It's it's not it has nothing to do with anything we talk about in the show ever, but it was a mind blowing book and really, really good. So uh, there's there's a couple others, too, but that one's particularly good. So all that to say, yes, we do need to do like a uh, book club or something, something along those. She called the book nook. I don't know. The book nook. I don't know. We'll work on it. Yeah. We'll do some some. Not everything I say is gold. I understand. <laughs> we'll have a focus group. We'll focus group the title for yeah. it. <laughs> Colty, by the way, going back to the other thing, just to make it depressing again, said, I think something's going to happen in the Black Sea. The U.S. is going to get a carrier or Navy vessel sunk, which is going to trigger a nuclear exchange with Russia. And things just got hot. Yeah, not good. Not good. All right, folks, we're headed out of here for the night. This has been fun, as always. We're so grateful for each and every one of you. Thank you so much for showing up here. For those of you who were at Coin Club earlier, a reminder, you can go to Coin Club uh, it's on Locals. Go to DrewBerkwist.Locals.com. You can click the red button right here on Rumble as well. That'll take you there. Also, promo code DREW30. Mash together, no space. Just D-R-E-W-3-0. We'll get you a month free. You'll get a challenge coin, access to booze and banter Monday through Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern, and then other goodies as we move along the way into the year. Tomorrow's Thursday. It's our last day of the week. So we hope that you can join us tomorrow. We'll have meme-tastic, all sorts of other stuff going We on. do have crazy weather tomorrow night, too. So do we? We do. Awesome. Yeah. All right, well, hopefully we'll be here. I don't know what all this crazy weather is. I'm going to leave before people start telling me their theories on that. But uh, <laughs> love you guys like crazy. Have a uh, great rest of the night. Be safe. Be smart. Be free.